Hey guys, welcome to the Racquetball Show podcast. On this one, we have a very exciting guest for you, Kane Wazalenchuk, the number one player of all time, in my opinion, and in the opinions of many others, most others, I would say. And with most episodes, I like to record a couple additional segments, maybe an, a, an instructional segment or a mailbag or uh, a news segment or whatever the case may be. In this one, I was just we just got done with this interview. I was super excited to interview Kane, and I just wanted to post it and get it up for you guys. So, without further ado, welcome to episode fourteen with Kane Wazalenchuk. I wanted to take the time to plug a sponsor of the Racquetball Show and of myself as a player, Gearbox Sports. Gearbox has a fantastic array of products and just recently released the new M40 Racket line. The M40 line includes two new technologies not offered in any previous model. The collection is now constructed using M40 high modulus graphite. In addition, Gearbox engineers extended the new internal C3 power groove to now run the entire inside length of the racket. So, as an engineering nerd myself, I can confirm that not only do these rackets hit amazingly well, I've had mine for a while now and am loving it, but the technology is also top-notch. I'll also say that the Gearbox team has always been excellent and super easy and pleasurable to work with. Plus, they care deeply about the sport of racquetball, which I love. So, if you're interested in checking out Gearbox, give them a look at GearboxSports.com. So, I'm here with Kane Wazelenchuk, who really needs no introduction. He's the greatest player of all time, in my opinion, and the opinion of really everyone. <laughs> um, so Kane, you announced at the end of this IRT season that you are, you were 90% sure that you were retiring. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to check in with you on that. What's, what's your status? What, how are you feeling about that announcement? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm still trying to decide whether or not I'm going to, I'm going to play full time. Uh, you know, obviously I'll always be around racquetball, um, in some kind of capacity, whether it's coaching or, um, you know, going to lower tier events, uh, you know, uh, stuff like that. You know, I've kind of become more a little bit more open to going to tier two, threes and fours and fives. And, you know, and also the tournaments that have been around the IRT for, you know, for years and years. I think that they deserve to have, you know, the top players there. And some of those tournaments have been really loyal to the IRT. And, you know, if I'm not going to um, if I'm not going to play full time on the tour, then it leaves enough time for me to go and, and I guess, I don't know, I guess I don't want to say reward them, but I guess it's kind of a, a little bit of a reward to, to have me go. Cause in, in my whole career, I never went to those tournaments. Uh, I always thought that those tournaments were uh, building blocks and building for, you know, the younger guys and the guys that were struggling to make a living at racquetball. And so I felt like it was unfair for, you know, some of the top guys to go. And uh, you know, if I'm not going to, like I said, if I'm not going to be committed to the all tier ones, then why not? Yeah, fair enough. And I think it's totally a reward for you to be at really any tournament. Um, 
So I wanted to following up on your your reasoning for uh, wanting to retire. What what was mm-hmm. the reason that you wanted to do so? Uh, you know, honestly, it's a lot. Of, it's just a lot of political stuff going on that I just really didn't agree about. Agree with. Uh, you know, I'm, I obviously won't mention any names. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. But there was things that were said that weren't true. Um, and uh, you know, I just I I've dealt with a lot of stuff that um, I just felt has been unfair. And uh, you know, I've had um, um, I've had you know people say, hey, you know, we want you at a tournament. Um, and we're not going to have the tournament unless you come. And I say, okay, well, then there's value on that, and I need to be compensated for that. And they say no. So, you know, and, you know, when I pull out of a tournament uh, in the past, when I pulled out of a tournament, um, you know, I've had to call all the sponsors. I had to do all this damage control, everything like that, and I just don't think it's fair. And so if you're going to put me up on a higher pedestal than everybody else, then why should I still get the same as everybody else. Um, that's just how I viewed it, you know, and, uh, you know, let's be honest, you know, I've always gotten flack for not going to tournaments and, you know, you know, I, I don't think that I'm out of line when I say that it's the easiest $4,000 that you could, that I could possibly make. So why would I want to miss a tournament? I go there and I play four matches and no one even takes a game off of me or even comes close to beating me. So why would I just sit back at my house and go, you know what? I think I'm just going to skip this one. I mean, not like there's a lot of ra- the, um, there's not like there's a lot of money to be made in racquetball in general, anyways, right? So I mean, you know, it, it just stuff like that, and I, I just had enough of it, you know. And I just, uh, you know, I think that I'm in a fortunate, you know, position where I think that I can still make a living playing racquetball and not playing tier ones. I, you know, I'll play U.S. I'll always play the U.S. Open for as long as I can. Um, it's a great tournament. Um, but again, right, I, I don't feel like I need to play tier ones and all the tier ones to make a living at racquetball. Uh, I play re- tier ones, like I said, because other tier events, um, you know, it helps out other guys, younger guys, guys coming up, you know, to make a little bit of extra money, which is why we put those tier, you know, tournaments in place. And, uh, and uh, you know, I can go to those, those you know, I, I can now I'm in a certain I'm in a very fortunate situation where I can actually offer my services to go to those tournaments and maybe even make as much, maybe even more than playing in a tier one event. So really the question comes down to how bad do I really want to be called the number one player in the world? Right. I mean, you know, as far as being the greatest, it's all subjective. And I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. So that's not going to change until someone comes along and, you know, surpasses all my records and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, but other than that, you know, it's kind of a pride thing, right? Um, you know, do I pick pride over business, right? And they're kind of go hand in hand. But, you know, uh, am I am I willing to go and sit back and watch somebody else be number one when I can when I know I can still be number one um, and look at it as a business and the fact that, you know, maybe do some online coaching, maybe, you know, help some, you know, have some camps, do some exhibitions, play some lower tier events. You know, if my, you know, pride will allow me to do that. And, you know, I mean, I guess I'm a, I'm a tad bit competitive. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but, uh, you know, and so that's just, you know, that's something that I got to, you know, kind of, you know, fight the battle of myself w- with. And, um, you know, I just felt like, uh, you know, I just felt like I needed to take a stand and I needed to, um, you know, I, I, I was at a, I was in a, a position where I wanted to I wanted to show my value 
to the sport and to the IRT and and uh, you know so far no one's reached out to me or anything like that and so that makes it clear on what my position is right and I'm just another player according to everybody you know just by based on action right because you can't tell me in any sport like basketball wasn't better when Michael Jordan left you know hockey wasn't better when Wayne Gretzky left now those sports will continue to go on and those sports will can you know and great players will come along um but when somebody great comes, you know, like 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 a di- another echelon of greatness comes along, it's never good when they walk away from the sport, um, in my opinion, anyways. And uh, so, you know, it'd be kind of a shame if I was just to walk away. Um, and you know, there's been a trend with greatest like, with great players. You know, they when they quit, they just leave the sport. You know, and you don't see them. And I think that that speaks volumes as to how they feel about racquetball in general when they're leaving and when their time is ready. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I did it because I was unhappy with some things, but I also did it too, because I wanted to show my value. And for the people that matter right now, uh, IRT, all that kind of stuff, apparently I don't have that value because if I, if, if I was in that position, I'd be reaching out to that person going, Hey, look, you know, the tour needs you, man. You can't be retiring. Like, you know, whatever it is, we let's settle it. Like, let's, you know, what is it exactly that's bothering you? You know, what, you know, what can we do maybe to, to change your mind or to help you change your mind or, you know, and I haven't gotten anything like that. So, you know, it, to me, it, it really speaks volumes as to how I'm viewed and my value on the, as far as the IRT, right? I'm not going to say racquetball in general. I just, the IRT is the entity that I play, you know, on and, you know, and so it's a little bit disappointing because, you know, I mean, I know that right, the business of racquetball, you know, it isn't the best right now, but, you know, I mean, it bothers me because if racquetball doesn't get big with what I'm doing and what I've already done, it worries me that it will never get big. You know, like because you always when you ha- when you have a business, when there's a business and you own a business, you have to have a product to sell. Right. And right now, you know, there's a lot of young kids. There's a transition on the tour right now. And so, you know, myself, Rocky, Alvaro, I mean, we're all getting old. Right. Um, and so there's this new wave of, of players that are coming in and it's great and I love it. Um, I think it's awesome. I mean, we're getting more international players than we've ever had ever. And I think it's great. But none of them have built up the value that I have currently right now. Right. And maybe they will one day. Right. But they don't have that clout. They don't have like when when, uh, you know, I, I even, you know, I'll even say like a guy like Della Rosa or Landa or when they don't go to a tournament, but I go to a tournament. It, it's not that we don't miss them, but it's it, 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 it lessens the blow. Right. Where you take me out of the mix and then you put everybody else still at the tournament, it's still a blow to the tournament. Right. So, um, you know, that's kind of what worries me about, you know, as far as racquetball in general and and, and the, the pro game, uh, you know, because I've heard for the last seven years, numerous, numerous, you know, and again, I'm just going on what what you know people have been telling me none of none of these sponsors or none of these tournament directors have told me directly but these are the things that i'm hearing from you know people that um that are that are in positions to make deals and make the tournaments happen or not happen i get these phone calls all the time hey 
you know, are you, you know, are you going to go, are you going to go to this tournament? Because they said, if you're not going to go to the tournament, they're not going to have the tournament, you know? And so um, it's flattering, but you know, I mean, I'm a business, right? So, I mean, it's like, like Jay-Z said, right? I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Right. And that's the difference, right? Is that if you're going to single me out, right. And, and it, I have, and you're going to, uh, give me that much value, even though I already have that value, but you're going to make it known that I have that much value, then why shouldn't I be compensated for it? I don't think I'm, and, and the, the, I think the hard part about it is that no one's ever asked me what I want, <laughs> you know? So that's another thing, right? Like, it's like, you know, instead it's just, it's just no, right? So that's another part of it is like, you know, you're not even open-minded to, you know, it's like you want to, you want to, you want to almost like corner me into saying yes, but when I say no, or, you know, or if I say, hey, you know, why I want to be compensated for it because that's value, right? That, that I have value in the tournament and going to the tournament, so I should be compensated. It happens in every sport. It happens in every sport, right? So in every professional sport, it happens. Um, and for them to just say no, I, I mean, okay, then I, I can't go, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's very totally. simple, you know? So that's kind of, the reason why, you know, I kind of did what I did and, you know, and they're, they're just, it, things were just getting stagnant. And I just, you know, at the time I just felt like, you know, maybe that was the best thing for me. And, and that's why, you know, that's why I said 90% because, you know, look, I, I don't like to, I don't like to use the words always or never. I mean, that's really hard to use those words, you know, because, you know, if I said I'm done and then here we are sitting here and I want to play, well, I kind of look like a little bit of a jackass, you know what I mean? So 90%, you know, yeah, I, I, at the time, yeah, 90%. What, will I say that that numbers went down? Yeah, it, it went down a little bit. Um, but I still have to stand up for what I believe, you know, for and what I believe in. And so, um, and not, and I think that too, people are mistaken too, because what I'm doing also can affect the other younger athletes coming up too. Remember, you know, Every decision, being number one, and I get it, I didn't finish number one this past year, whatever, but being number one, right, you have more than just being number one on your shoulders, right? So, you know, remember, if I go and sign a contract for $20,000, you know, do you think number two goes and sign a contract for 50, you know? So, you know, there's more burden on the number one player than I think a lot of people, you know, understand. And so, you know, we need to change the business of, of, of racquetball and especially for the players, you know, like we need to put in, you know, I had an idea of, you know, like, you know, having like almost like a, like a fun for, you know, one to four, five to, you know, five to eight, nine to 16, if you will, and help these guys with expenses, make them send in the receipts, you know, make, give them some incentive to be in the top eight, give them in some, give, give those younger guys some incentive to go and, and do better and be better and go out there and give, give them the means to be able to go and better themselves as far as athletes and human beings and all that stuff, you know, and I, I just don't think that we do that at all. And so I'm 36. I, I'm, you know, like I said, I don't know if I'm going to come back full time or not or whatever, but if I can, if I can take a stand for something and potentially change it for the kids that, you know, the guys that are coming up, whether it's the Delarosas or, you know, the Landas or whether it's some, you know, 15 year old kid right now you don't know right so but if I don't take a stand then you know you know maybe I look back on it and go man maybe I should have right and 
it's not the same if number five, six or seven does it right. It really, that's the position that I'm in where, you know, it means something if I'm saying it right because yeah. of what I've accomplished and where I'm at currently in my career. Right. And so, um, you know, I'm doing it because I feel like I deserve it because I've worked for it and I feel like I deserve it. But that doesn't mean that other people aren't going to reap the benefits of it as well, too. Right. And our jobs are, and our, our business is order of merit. It always has been and it always will be. It's order of merit and it starts at the top and then it works its way down in every sport. Right. You know, I mean, and so, you know, it needs to be acknowledged and I'm just basically standing up for what I believe in and hopefully it can change and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, whatever that day is, I walk away, whether it's this year, next year, whatever it is, maybe I may, maybe I put a little bit of extra money in the pockets of some of these younger kids. Maybe I change the dynamic of the business and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I can add some value to players, you know, because the pro players don't have value right now. And a lot of that has to do with the companies and their and their sponsorship programs. You know, anybody can be a sponsored player now. And, you know, you pay $250, $300 and, you know, and you can be a sponsored player. Well, that's taking away from businesses from Racquetball Warehouse, Racquet World, Lawler Sports, all them, because now they're bound by a contract and they have to play, you know, like like I'll use Pro Kenix, right? So Pro Kenix signs, you know, Joe Schmo at the gym and they give them three rackets and, and, you know, deck them out head to toe, you know, everything in Pro Kenix. Well, if you didn't give him that, how do we know that he wasn't going to go buy a head glove with an E-Force headband with with head shoes and Prokenix racket? And right. So you limit the buyer to only binding them by that contract and not allowing them to go out. Right. So then which in, which ends up cutting out the online dealers business. Right. Because these avid racquetball players, you know, they like a racket. They'll play with the racket. But that you're set in a contract. Right. So the value of the pro player has diminished because of those types of things. Now I get it from a business standpoint, you make money, right? I mean, you, you get more people using your stuff, but I think that it's not a, I don't think it's a great way to do business. Yeah. Overall, it might be a bit of an issue. I, I can totally see where you're coming from. I think you make, you make a lot of great points and I think it's overall just, I hope that we can make things right because to see a number one player in the world, most dominant and exciting athlete in the sport be uh, kind of skewed away from it because of political reasons and business reasons, I think it's just really sad. So, but I wanted to shift gears a bit. I wanted to talk about, um, I mean, you're the most dominant athlete in racquetball, arguably the most dominant athlete in sports. A lot of guys are talented. A lot of guys are hardworking. A lot of guys, you know, are really dedicated what separated you? What gave you the ability to be number one by such a long shot? Um, you know, I, I mean, I think that's a loaded question. I mean, obviously yeah. natural talent comes into play, obviously, right? Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I, 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 if you look at my over, over the past 12 years of my, me being number one, um, and you, I guess you could go even further and say, you know, 15, 17, whatever years, um, Every year that I've come back, I've come back better. So there's a difference between getting better and knowing how to get better. Okay. So just like there's a difference between playing the game and knowing the game, right? There's a lot of good racquetball players out there, right? But playing the game and knowing the game are two totally different things. And then when you start having to, um, when you start having to, uh, you know, change 
you know, stroke mechanics, footwork, all that. You also got to be knowledgeable enough to know what you're doing and know what you need when you need it and, and all that stuff. And I think that that's something that's come naturally to me. And I think that a lot of it had to do with me being younger. I mean, I was self-taught. I taught myself how to play racquetball. I mean, my dad taught me how to play racquetball, but I used to spend hundreds of hours on the court, you know, like, I mean, from ages, you know, seven years old to, you know, 18 years old. I mean, hundreds of thousands of hours on the court by myself and that no one telling me, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. And I think that nowadays people are too coached, right? Uh, I think one of the best attributes that I have that goes overlooked is that I, I, I'm the best at feeling the game. I'm the best at feeling the game. Uh, I can feel momentums. I can feel when I need to change, what I need to do, when I need to do it. And those are things that I don't think you can teach. Those are things that I think that throughout time and being on the court with yourself and playing and, and you know, I remember specifically, I remember being in a, in a national tournament, junior national tournament. I was seven years old. I was playing eight and under and I was playing, I can't remember who I was playing, but I think I was in Regina, Saskatchewan. And uh, my dad was there and uh, I came off the court and I looked at my dad and I said, what do you think? And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, well, what do you think I should do? And he goes, you figure it out. And at the time, at the time, I was like, man, what a dick. Like, you know, I was like, God, like maybe that wasn't what I was thinking at seven. But now, I mean, I was like, man, what a dick. Like, why would he say that? Like, I mean, I, I genuinely need his help. Turns out that I had to deal with those adversities by myself. And looking back on it now. And man, I, I think that it was great. I think it was great for me. Um, you know, at the time, it didn't seem like it was the coolest thing ever for my dad to do. But, you know, those are the small, little, subtle things that I think that help you. Because, you know, look, in life, you, can take, you can take it over to life, too. Life has its own adversities. I mean, you know, so to be able to deal with them and, 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 and having being young and having you know, young, you know, being a young kid and being obviously every kid is very emotional and, you know, it's hard to put, you know, action to feelings and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think that it really benefited me, uh, you know, and I think that's something, I think that's an attribute that I think that I don't get enough credit for is that I feel the game so the best out of anybody currently on tour and maybe the best ever. Um, and, and, like I said, anytime you look at each year, if you look at me come back each year, there's always something that I've done better. I got better at something or, you know, and, uh, you know, I, but to say one thing, it's, it's, it's definitely not one thing, you know, I mean, I used to spend hours and hours just watching tape. I used to watch, uh, you know, like when I first got on tour and uh, Cliff beat me a couple of times, I used to put on videos of Cliff and, and me and Cliff playing. And I used to, I used to watch him eight times. And I used to watch what he served and I would mark each time the score and where he would serve it. And then I would try and get his rhythm. And then in a rally, I'd, I'd always, I, when I was serving, I'd mark down what his first shot was, right? And then I would mark down what I thought was a setup, what he would do with the setup, what, what, what percentage of what he would hit a pinch cross court down the line. I mean, I used to spend hours and hours watching the same video, right? And I just don't think that, I just don't think people do that. But I also don't think that, you can teach somebody to do that, right? You, you, you know, that was just something by when I was younger that just came naturally by, you know, feeling the game, right? And so, um, you know, I, I, there's a whole lot of 
dynamics that go along with getting better rather than just getting on the court and hitting the ball or getting in the weight room and getting stronger. And, you know, there's more, there's more to that, you know, because remember you have an opponent too, and that opponent gets better and that opponent changes from year to year as well too. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I guess it's easy for me to say because I'm, I was always so far ahead of everybody else that no matter what they changed, right? It wasn't still going to put them up to my level because I was still getting better as well too. So I still kept that distance between me and everybody else because I still, I never was complacent. I always got better. I always tried to find something to get better at, you know? Yeah. And I wanted to piggyback off that concept a bit because one of the things that's impressed me the most about your game, and there's lots of, lots of things I could choose (laughs) here, but one of the things is you never seem to lose mental focus right? You're always, even when it's a game that you're clearly going to win, you're up big, you're just neck on the throat, essentially. Um, how, nah. how, how do you have that mental focus constantly? And how are you? Yeah, how are you? So uh, because I'm never content. Uh, and, you know, I tell everybody, you know, just because I beat these guys the way that I do, doesn't I, I don't want to take anything away from these guys. These guys are the best players in the world as well, too. And remember, you know, we can have the top four guys go anywhere in the world and they'll beat anybody. So they're not bad players, right? So, you know, that's another thing, too, is that I never take anybody lightly. And, you know, I've watched with my own eyes. It hasn't, I mean, I, maybe it's happened to me like once or twice in my whole career, and it's been early in my career, but I've watched plenty of matches where somebody was up, nine two and ends up losing and you know what i mean i mean it happens you know and momentum switches and uh you know um i just i'm not content and you know i never give up because it ends when it's you know it it ends when you're at 11 right like it's like if i was running a sprint right i don't stop running at the 75 meter mark i keep running all the way through to the 100 meter mark you know so that's kind of just my the way that my mentality has been and and uh you know, also too, you know, I mean, you know, it's like I, you know, I have a, you know, I, I have a family. I mean, that person is out there to take money off, you know, out of, out of my pocket, which then affects, you know, taking food off of the plate of my kids and, you know, what I can provide for my kids. And, you know, so when I had kids, it, my mentality changed altogether, you know? Um, and so that's just how I viewed it. And that's, you know, that's where you need to find what motivates you, you know, like what makes you tick. You know, what makes you what makes you get in there and be motivated every time you go and you play? And, and how do you try to bring out the best in yourself every single time? Right. And that's just something that has worked for me. I mean, I mean, people people probably think I'm crazy for this, but I've told a lot of people in my exhibitions and stuff that I go into the match telling myself I'm going to lose. And, you know, I, I even though in the last few years, I know I'm not, I believe I'm not going to, but I go in there with that. I put that fear in myself. I put that fear in myself that I'm going to lose because I've set the precedent very, very high for myself. The next time I lose and whoever is that person to beat me, it's going to define their career. I mean, we're still talking about John Ellis having a winning record with me. And the last time he beat me was like in 2000, 2001. I mean, we're in 2019 right now, you know, I mean, I wasn't even the number one player in the world, right? But it's but it becomes valid because of what I've accomplished, right? If I was just if I was tied with Cliff or you know for record, we wouldn't even be talking about John Ellis and a winning record, right? But it's because of the it's because of the precedent that I've set for myself that makes it that much more 
magnified when, you know, someone gets, you know, someone takes a game off of me or someone beats me or some, you know, something happens that's out of the ordinary of what I've normally do. Right. That's just, that's the burden that I put on myself and I, and I'm, and I'm fine with it. I, I embrace it. That's, that's what a champion does. Right. I mean, that's, I'm the number one player in the world and greatest player ever to play anytime, any place. I'll go to, I'll go to your hometown and you can get all, I won't have one fan there. I'll, have, I'll bring Winterton. That'll be the only guy I bring. And with the rest of them, you can have every, all your friends, all your family, everybody. And I'll play in front of them and I'll still beat you. <laughs> that's that, you know what I mean? That's just, you know, that's just the, that, but that works for me. That doesn't mean that it's going to work for somebody else. Was that know? an offer to come out to Portland and play with me with uh, all my friends watching? I mean, it, yeah, if you want me to beat your ass like that, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know. That sounds fun. <laughs> I enjoy playing you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've had, you know, obviously just a ridiculous number of accomplishments. Uh, what of all those things are you the most proud of? Uh, you know, it may surprise you, but uh, it has nothing to do with my accomplishments. I think the one thing that I think that I take the most pride in is that I've never forgotten where I came from and I've never forgotten who I am as a person. I've never let that affect me. I've never let success affect me um, and how I interact with fans and how I interact with people. Um, you know, my dad told me a long time ago, I was 16 years old. My dad told me, if you want to succeed in racquetball, two words be nice. And it's just something that's always stuck with me. And I, I, my mentality is, is that when I walk onto that court in that 20 by 40 court, you're in my world. We're in my world. And it's probably not going to be too fun for you in that world. However, when I walk out of the court, I'm no better than anyone else. I'm, I'm no better than the C or D player that, you know, and you never know. Racquetball is so small. You never know who you're going to meet and you don't know the influence that that person is going to have on your life or your career or anything like that. And so, you know, I've always, I've always, you know, felt like, you know, to treat people equally and, you know, and just because of what I've accomplished or what I've done or anything like that, that doesn't make me a better person than anyone else. You know, I mean, it makes me a better racquetball player that only goes so far, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and we're a racquetball family. We like to call each other a racquetball family and, you know, and so I don't walk around with, you know, with arrogance and some people, some people may say that I'm cocky, but I like to say I'm confident and I've, and I've deserved that right to walk around. If I, if I, if I was ever to walk around like that, which I don't believe I do, I deserve that right. I mean, in every sport, every every great athlete has a little bit of edge to them, right? And a little bit of that, of a little bit of that confidence, right? And you know, sometimes people mistaken it, whether it's because of jealousy or envy, whatever it is, you know. And and uh, but when you're in that position, you have to, you have to have your shoulders back, hold your head up high, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk, you know, you you got to do it. I mean, that's the part of being in that position. Absolutely. So through all your years in racquetball, do you have a favorite story that you'd like to share? Uh, let me think here. I mean, yeah. one that pops into my mind is I remember playing Cliff um, in uh, San Diego. And, uh, you know, every time me and Cliff got on the court, you know, it was just a battle. It was just like, you know, two warriors going at it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing Cliff. Um, but I remember... I hit him a serve and he hit me with the ball and he got a side out the very next rally. I hit him with the ball, right? Another side out. He hits me with the ball. 
And I turned to him and I said, so what are you saying? I'm it? And he kind of chuckled and he goes, yeah, you're it. And I go, okay. Very next rally. Bam, I hit him, right? I go, you're it. Hits again, boom, he hits me. You're it, right? Well, now Dave Negretti walks on the court. This happened like probably five or six times each way. So we hit each other like five or six times, you know? And uh, and then, you know, Dave Negretti came on the court and was like, hey, guys, come on, you know, whatever. And me, Cliff, just laughed it off. And that was the, that's what I always loved about playing Cliff, you know? Um, you know, we could have that type of, we could have that type of, uh, of match and walk off the court and we're high-fiving and going out for dinner a little bit later. You know what I mean? It's just that, that, and I think that, you know, that's kind of a hockey mentality, right? Like that's just, you know, Cliff and I both played hockey. We were really into hockey. And I think that, you know, it's just one of those things, not that any of the other guys weren't like that, but you know, I, I just, I've always, I always respected that because it's kind of like in hockey, what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. And so, you know, I take the same mentality. What happens in the, in the court, you know, stays in the court, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, that, that was, that was one that, that, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty funny. Another one is, uh, Jay, I remember playing Jason one time and I, I remember he's kind of getting the better of me. And, and, uh, I remember he used to hit the ball, you know, he used to step on the line and throw the ball and do all his little, you know, shenanigans or whatever. And so I'd hit the ball in front of the line. So he'd have to walk up and go get it. Right. And then he'd have to come back and he had to like do his thing. Right. And so one time we're playing and I did it and he goes, Hey man, he goes, you're being a dick. Don't be a dick, man. And I looked at him and I started laughing, right? And I go, you know what? I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm being a dick, you know? But it was just funny because I just knew, I even though at the time when he didn't say it, I knew it bugged him. So the fact that he said something to me, I just kind of chuckled a little bit. And I was like, like, okay, man, you kind of, you know what I'm doing, but yeah, you're right. You're right. You know? So, you know, that was kind of, it's not as funny as the cliff one, but that one was kind of funny. But, uh, but yeah, no, I've, I mean, I've had a lot of, you know, a lot of ones that, you know, language probably wouldn't be allowed in, in this, you know, but, uh, you know, there've been, there've been, there've been a few of them that those are my two that I really, that I really, really, uh, kind of chuckle at. Yeah. Those are great. Those are awesome. What is something that, so racquetball people know you pretty well, um, especially on the court, what's something racquetball people might not know you know about you? Um, Oh, man, I, I'm probably a lot of things. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but uh, no, I mean, I just, you know, I think that, again, I think I go back to what I said. I mean, you know, like, you know, sometimes when you're really, really great at something, you know, there's a misconception that you're not like a human being. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a normal person. I mean, like I wake up, I, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I have, I drink beer, I have wine, I, you know, I, I, I'm a normal, I'm a normal guy. I like to golf. I like to play hockey, you know, I like to hang out with my friends. I like, you know, I mean, it's just, um, some, I, I, I mean, I'm, I've, I think that, I think what's happened though in the years is that people have kind of developed their own opinion about me because I've always kept my private life, you know, my personal life pretty private, right? I mean, it's always been pretty private. Nobody really knows a lot about my, my personal side of Kane and, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, it, it adds intrigue, but it also has its downsides to it, too, as well. Uh, people jump to their own conclusions about, you know, what type of person I am or, you know, I'm, um, you know, like I like, you know, I feel like I do a lot for racquetball, not just not just with what I do on the pro tour, 
but I don't go and post it on Facebook and I don't go and put it on Instagram and all that stuff. And so that can be a misconception that I don't do anything for racquetball. Right. And so that's just one of those things that I think that I have to just be okay with, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's going to probably sound bad, but I don't really care what anybody thinks of me, you know, as long as the people that are in my circle, right. Are, are still supporting me and are, still giving me, you know, uh, re- reassuring me of positive things I'm doing and I'm still in the right, going in the right direction and all that, you know, I, I, I don't, I have to say, I don't really care. I mean, yeah, I don't want to hear it. Nobody wants to hear anybody talk bad about, about, about them, right? I mean, I don't want to hear anybody talk bad about me, but you have to take it with a grain of salt too. And you're, and in this, in any business that we're in, like we are in, you know, everybody's going to have their opinion of you. And no matter what you do or no matter what you say or how you go about it, there's going to be people that like you and people that don't. And then there's going to be people that really don't care, <laughs> you know? So it is what it is, you know? What does a typical cane training session look like? Uh, see, now you're getting into the, now you get into the yeah. private stuff. Hey, you yeah. can be as, uh, as private as you want or as uh Yeah, no, I mean, it just, it, de- it depends. It depends on uh, what, what part of the season it's in. Uh, you know, if I'm getting ready to, um, if I'm getting ready to start the season, um, if I'm in the season, uh, you know, it all, it all kind of changes. If, if I'm getting ready for the season, there's, there's a, uh, um, there's a, there's a limited, there's a time where it's all based on strength and power and then, you know, it kind of rolls over into, you know, speed and agility. And then you kind of put the, those power and, and speed and agility together and, and, uh, and endurance and recovery. And you try to put those all together and then you incorporate, you know, the on court stuff, um, you know, because, you know, you have to give your body time to, to acclimate to the changes that you make. So no matter what, right? Like, so if, uh, you know, if somebody, you know, loses 20 pounds, right? And they go and play racquetball. Well, if you just lose the 20 pounds and you don't play racquetball in that time, and even, even then when you're playing that racquetball, it takes time for your body to adjust and get acclimated to those changes. And so, you know, if you go through a power or a strength cycle and then you go play racquetball, you know, it's a shock for your body, right? You're going to, you know, you might have to, you might, you know, you might have to slow your swing speed down a little bit for a little while, you know, until you kind of get, you know, your body gets adjusted to it, you know? Um, so, you know, if I'm in season and I, you know, and I got a couple of weeks, you know, I kind of break down the last couple of tournaments, what I feel, what I feel like I needed to work on or not work on or, um, you know, or things that I felt like weren't as strong as they should be or whatever the, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, and then I, 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 you know, I adjust to my training to, to that specifically and, and work on that, you know, I mean, I don't think that you need to work on everything all the time. I think that, you know, everything in moderation, right. I mean, it's, you know, I think that sometimes you can get overloaded, um, in, in training and you know it's because racquetball you have to train everything so it's not like you can specifically just train one thing you have to train everything right but that doesn't mean that you're bad at everything and that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to get better at everything either there are certain things and attributes that you know like an example Sudzy was always known for his backhand right cliff was always known for his serve so to me i i highly doubt that Sudzy and cliff went into the court and worked on their serve and their backhand all the time, 
right? I just don't. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's 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 how I would view it, right? Like you you do have attributes that are better than others, and some people have to work harder at certain things, and you know, so you have to dissect it and you have to break it down and and uh, and just know what you want, know what you need, you know? Yeah, awesome. So I noticed that you have this pre-serve ritual that you, you seem to do every time. Do you have any other interesting, maybe pre-game rituals or on-the-court rituals that people might not notice? No, you know, I used to be really superstitious. Um, you know, I used to lay my clothes out, you know, the night before. I used to, uh, you know, if I if I played good, you know, I, I'd, I'd like wear the same boxers or I'd try to wear the same outfit or the same socks or whatever. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't – I can't remember a specific time, but I just – it just – it kind of all just went away and I really don't, I just, um, anymore. I have no superstitions, no nothing. I, I don't, um, I like things to be very in order. Um, that would be the only thing, like as far as, you know, like, you know, getting to the club, I don't like to get to the club too early. I like to get to the club at a, you know, at a decent time all the time to get ready. I, I my warm up, you know, getting ready and the stuff is about 30 minutes, you know, so I, I get there sufficient time, you know, to do that. Um, but as far as, um, as far as my little routine before I serve, that's just my way of hitting the reset button, you know, uh, clearing my mind of whatever happened next or, you know, or, or, or I shouldn't say clearing my mind. I should say, you know, kind of resetting from the last rally, but also thinking, you know, okay, so, you know, what serve did I hit and, you know, what was his return and, you know, stuff like that. And, and just kind of thinking of, um, I always like to say like, if you notice, it's kind of like a wave, like, you know, it's like, it's like, I kind of look at it as like, or kind of view it as like the ocean, right? You know, you, you stand on the side and you get the, you, the wave builds up and then it goes, you know, crashes and then it builds up and it crashes. And that's kind of like what I do, you know, one, you know, one, two, three around. Cause when, as I hit the ball around, I kind of get back into my service position and then I'm back in it. And it's just a way to, for me to kind of get back, you know, into the groove after a rally. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. So one thing I I think is that when you watch coverage of different sports, right, people are a whole lot more interested in learning about the best player or the best players. I have noticed that there there hasn't been a ton of marketing of you, and I think people would love to see just either things about your your off the court life or things about your your game just more general marketing of Kane. Mm -hmm. What what do you think would be some good ways to do that, um, to implement marketing and just information about yourself? Well, I mean, you know, first of all, I mean, on a personal level, you know, I don't, I don't think it's my job to go out and promote myself. Totally. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it would be like me calling a sponsorship and going, hey, you know, I'm the number one player in the world. You should sponsor me because, you know, I'm the shit. Like, no, 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 that's not, that's, that's not like, you know what I mean? That, that, that just doesn't, first of all, it doesn't even sound right coming out of my mouth. It doesn't even like, I, I, I couldn't even do that if I, if I, if I wanted to, to be honest with you, totally. um, you know, and, and so I think that, um, I think that, you know, I give the, I, I give the example of, of, of Tiger Woods. Okay. So when Tiger Woods came along, right? Everybody was mad at Tiger Woods because he was getting all the publicity, but he also earned that publicity, right? He earned that by doing things that no other golfer was doing, right? And 
nobody's complaining now. They're all making millions and millions of dollars, right? So my my thing with, and how I view it, and we go back to what I was talking about, about, you know, the future of, of the players is, you know, it's order of merit. So, you know, why not piggyback on what I'm doing and put all your eggs in one basket and promote, you know, what I'm doing because that's what has the most clout right now. That's what has the most value currently right now. So why wouldn't you use that and, and then, you know, yes, I'm going to reap the benefits of it first, but why shouldn't I? But everybody else is going to eventually reap those benefits as well. Hence the Tiger Woods, you know, how I was talking about Tiger Woods and stuff, right? So, you know, I think that, you know, more social media, you know, getting out there more, you know, and I get, I get it. It's easier said than done, right? I get, I understand that, but you can't tell me with what I've accomplished that if you push it enough that no one's going to take interest that, that I, I, I just don't, I don't see it. You know, like, I mean, you can, you can make comparisons to Roger Federer, right? Like let's go out and challenge Roger, Roger Federer. Let's go out and, you know, let's try things, right? Let's try some things that some out of the box things, you know, we've been doing the same thing for so long and, you know, racquetballs, I don't feel like racquetballs ever done a really, really good job of promoting the best player in the world anyways, regardless if it was me or Cliff or Sudsy or anything. Right. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard business because we all don't make a lot of money. And so every dollar that's out there is just like, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And, and, and I, and I'm, I get it. I, I do understand it, but you know, what happens if there's, five dollars why doesn't everybody get a dollar right now like why don't you know what i mean like like and and eventually you know eventually you know i think that short term you know yeah it might be a tough pill to swallow for some people because i might reap those benefits you know first and maybe for a year two years three years whatever but you can't tell me that with that it's going to add more excitement add more publicity to the sport you know notoriety it's gonna it's gonna it's going to do all of those things, which then is going to in turn build the sport and add, you know, and add that value to the sport, right? Which adds value to each athlete under me as well too, right? And then of course, once, you know, once I would lose, then it would even add more value to, to, to these other players. Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, I think just anything that's put out there about you and I would, I would encourage people out there to, to help get involved because I agree that it, it can't be just your responsibility to do so. But I think anything out there would be super interesting to people. I mean, I think well, look I look at it like this too, right? I could play devil's advocate. What happens? What happens if I go, if I go on social media, Facebook, you know, uh, Instagram, and I start putting myself out, out there and then I start getting sponsorships by myself. I'm in a lose lose situation because then people are going to go, Look at how selfish he is. He's just doing it for himself. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't in a way as well too, right? Like, you know, if I don't do it, I'm hurting the sport. But if I do it and I start reaping the benefits only me, then I'm selfish and I'm not promoting the sport, you know? So that's where I think that the IRT and racquetball and, you know, the IRT specifically, I think needs to do a better job. Like, you know, an example is, you know, if you go back and look at articles that are written when I win a tournament, Kane wins again, right? But yet if I'm not there and someone else wins, there's a long article about like, oh, so so-and-so played this and blah, 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 right? So again, right, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's, and I get it, right? You want to write the articles, but, you know, when you write them, be positive.
positive and and go over the top with everything like go over the top you know make it make it to be like that's what these other sports do right they make their greatest players to be you know superhuman you know tiger woods oh my god no one can hit a six iron from 220 yards out of the bunker over water into a tiered green no one can do that like you know what i mean even though i'm sure there's a lot of golfers that can do that right but for the general consensus of people they want they want to be a part of that they want to you know they want to be a part of something that that is like that that's great like that yeah yeah i think you make a great point and i think i think that part of the reason i think it would be interesting to have um more more information about you that's sort of not racquetball related is because yeah. is because so many of these results have been so similar to people right reading yeah. kane wins again is not as interesting as maybe uh, reading an article that like Kane wears this type of shoe and here's why. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm sure. not, I'm not insulting you for, uh, you know. It, yeah, it no, is, no, no, no. It is no, a bit, sure. it is a bit boring to just this guy won again, this guy won again. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, you know, I mean, also look on the flip side. I mean, because I'm not out on social media and do that. I mean, I could also have cost myself potential sponsors or money or whatever right but that's just that's the path that i've chosen right and so that's i'm okay with it um you know i think that one of the coolest things ever would be to do a documentary on me follow me around to tournaments you know have have somebody follow me around to you know at the u.s open right follow me around during the summer when i'm in my training and you know what i mean like what i do i mean even if i even if i go out with some friends you know, has nothing to do with racquetball, but get that aspect of it, you know, and then and then put it out there, you know, maybe it adds more value. I don't know. But I'm not just going to be, you know, having a phone. Hey, you know, hey, so here we are. Like, I mean, that's just that's not me. That's just not me, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And the documentary thing, like, dude, I would love that. I think a lot of people in racquetball would just just love that. Yeah. And I would be totally open for it. You know, I'd be totally open to it. And you know, even, you know, even going back as far as, you know, showing where I used to play racquetball and where I came from as a kid and, you know, some of my early hockey days and, you know, maybe showing some, you know, showing some hockey highlights or, you know, me playing hockey or golf or you know, stuff like that, you know, um, I think that it would be great. I think that it would add a different dynamic for sure. Awesome. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and it sounds like your, your phone is close to running out of batteries. Uh, yeah, what do we got here? Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> We got 5%, man. All right. So I want to be respectful of your time. Kane, is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with? No, I just think that, you know, we. I think that it's time for change, you know. I think that, you know, if we don't recognize that there's time for change right now, um, you know, I think that racquetball is going to die, you know, and I don't think we're going to be able to call racquetball uh, a professional sport. I think it's going to become a hobby. It's not going to become a you know, and that's sad, you know, and I think that, you know, obviously, look, whatever we're doing is not working. It's not working, right? And I'm not blaming people for it. I just think in general, whatever we're doing is not working and it needs to change. And uh, whether it's getting new people, new blood in there, younger people, more ambitious people, I don't know. I, I'm not here, you know, I'm not the gatekeeper. I'm not the one here with all the answers to what, how the change is. I just think that, you know, everything has been stagnant. And I think that we need no more transparency as far as everything that's involved with the business of racquetball and, and uh, you know, where's, where money is going and how it's being spent. And, and I just think that we need to come together. You know, this WRT, IRT thing and this class, it's, 
it's not good. It's just it's 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 a bunch of people with too much pride and and ego, and I just don't think there's any need for it. We can all work together. If we all work together, we can actually change this, you know, and we can actually make it better. And what I find interesting about it is that when we have a tragedy in racquetball, we all come together like we're like, oh, you know, we're a racquetball family. But other than that, we're all separated. We're all segregated to our separate little groups. And, and you know, this person, well, don't talk to this person or don't, you know, we don't want, we don't want to deal with this person because this person is this. But when, you know, so let's just drop all that stuff and, you know, let's all do what's best for the game. And, you know, you know, yeah, some people are going to be rewarded before others, but, you know, let's be honest here. Nobody that's nobody that's involved in racquetball wants to see racquetball die. I, I want to like my sponsor is Kennett. I want to see Head, Wilson, E-Force. I want to see them all do good. I want to see Racquetball Warehouse do good. I want to see Racquet World prosper. I want to see all because if those companies prosper, then we all do, right? And so we, if we can, if we can all get to that point and. You know, I mean, I don't know if we can or can't, but I just think that we all need to work together. We need to have an open mind. We need to listen to each other, whether it's constructive criticism, good, bad, whatever it is. We just need to all get on the same page and have the same goal and have the same mindset and and uh, work together on building this thing. Because racquetball was great at one time and it's not anymore. And so the more that we do this. And the further we dig this hole, the harder it's going to be to get out of it as well, too. You know, and we want to be taken seriously. You know, we can't be taken seriously right now. It's just not a serious business right now. I tell some people that I'm a professional racquetball player, and the first thing I get is, "Oh, you know, I was pretty good at racquetball." Like, no, 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 no. come on, come on, like enough, like right. So we need to we need to start making decisions to make sure that racquetball is taken seriously, and you know, hopefully that happens. Yeah, totally agree. I love the message. Is there anything you'd like to plug before you leave sponsors or uh, social media accounts, anything like that? No, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, I mean, people can follow me, King Kane RB on Instagram. Obviously, I, I don't have a fan page or anything, but, you know, my Facebook, you know, my name, you know, obviously, um, you know, Pro Kenix, obviously, you know, the support that Pro Kenix and Mike Martinez have given me uh, even through this summer, too, as well. Um, has been awesome. Uh, you know, I have a great relationship with them. And, uh, and of course, you know, Winterton, obviously, you know, uh, Jim Winterton, I mean, he's, you know, been great. I mean, he's, he's been with me from day one as far as, you know, being number one. And, you know, it's been 12 years now. And, uh, you know, so, you know, that's about it, you know. Awesome, man. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you. I hope everything can get worked out between you and everyone in racquetball, really. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy doing this, man. It's awesome. I, I love what you're doing. Yeah, great. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again so much. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. All right. Okay. Bye. The Racquetball Show is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, vegetarians and racquetball players get lower rates on their life insurance. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people. Health IQ can save customers up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. Like saving money in your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance 
for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, to learn more, or to get a free quote on life insurance, you can visit healthiq.com slash TRS. Link in the podcast description. This is a great way of supporting the podcast and of potentially getting great savings on your life insurance. Check them out. All right, that does it for episode 14. Thank you so much to Kane Wazelenchuk for coming on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. That was a ton of fun for me, especially since Kane is one of my racquetball idols, and I've watched him so many times, and he is so great at the sport. So, as always, if you want to reach out to me, you can reach me at dylan at racquetballshow.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N at racquetballshow.com, and I hope to hear from you. Great. Thank you so much for listening.